Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Okay, everybody, let's take our clothes off. No, 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 not that kind of clothes taking off. We're talking today about nudism or naturism. It's a philosophy. It's a cultural movement. Can we please have some music that emphasizes the dignity of the human body? Better. Naturism is an idea that's been around in every century of human history since 400 B.C., But in stuffy old Connecticut? You bet. Today you'll hear about my visit to a nudist resort and meet modern believers in the clothes-free lifestyle. And now he's participating today by not wearing Spanx, Colin McEnroe. Yeah, this is a show about nudism, sometimes called naturism. It's a little bit unusual uh, in the sense that we dispatched or at least uh, failed to restrain Kion Wool from uh, visiting a family nudist resort in Woodstock, Connecticut. Uh, that's going to be a big part of the conversation. Let me just sort of tell you what else is coming, uh, and uh, then we're going to kind of take you, metaphorically speaking, uh, to that resort. But uh, Paul, who's the president of the Solaire Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock, is here with us in studio. Uh, and a little bit later in the show, we'll talk to uh, the author of A Brief History of Nakedness. Uh, we'll talk to a guy who's a little bit more involved in, in kind of activism in action on behalf of the clothes-free lifestyle. And towards the end of the show, we'll have a conversation with a photographer who, photographer who photographed herself while nude in New York City in a whole bunch of different locations. Uh, I'll talk about sort of what kind of artistic point uh, she was trying to make by all that. So, But I think we can, we're going to start. Uh, Kion's also here with us in studio. But we're going to start uh, with a little postcard she sent back uh, from her visit to the Solera Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock, Connecticut. I am parked on the side of the road before getting to Solaire Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock, Connecticut. And I'm feeling excited, a little anxious. So uh, let's just get on with this. I want to get there. Here we go. And this big gate is opening after I ring the doorbell. It says, welcome back for a nude year at Solaire. They crossed out the new and put nude. That's my kind of humor. Paul? Hi, hi. I'm going to give it a shock right nice from the start. Ride. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you, too. I want to bring back my four-wheel. I got a golf cart. I can take you around on the golf cart. And then That's beautiful. You can decide at what point you want to disrobe, if you want to disrobe at all. Yes, I do. Okay. I do. I definitely do. Okay, did you bring a, a, do you have a sarong or something that you want to throw on to start with, or are you just ready to go full boat? Let's just do it. All right, let's go down my site. Then you can just rub down there. Perfect. All right, so you'll follow me down. Now, I got to ask, in terms of etiquette, like right now, I'm making sure that I'm staring at your face. You can look anywhere you want. We're all nude. You're going to look at people. That's the point, it's, I guess. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It doesn't make a difference. But I'm like, looking at your you eyes. Do, you do what you want. Until you feel <laughs> comfortable, you look at my eyes. All right, all, all right, right, that sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Okay. How long did it take you to get yourself psyched up to do this? Here's my thought. I should be as nervous to come here as I would to go to the OBGYN. It's nothing they haven't seen. It's nothing you haven't seen. So mentally, you know, no problem. But there's a part of my brain that's like, never done this before. If you spent 15 minutes here in clothes, you'd feel uncomfortable. How how do I take, how do I take my clothes off? I I, I think you're good at that. You can go inside my trailer, take your clothes off the side. How's that? Did you bring a towel or? 
No, I don't know. Right, I'll give you a towel. Thank you. That's part of the etiquette. You need to sit on a towel. That makes sense. Okay. All right. We only have two spots in camp that you are absolutely required to be nude. That's on the beach and at the pool. Every place else is clothing optional. We prefer to everybody to be nude all the time, but it's your prerogative. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So sit on a towel. Sit on Number a towel. one rule. Number one. Number two rule, sit on a towel. There you go. All right. All right. So just head on in there. and you Go ahead in there and, get the, and take your time. I'll wait out here for you. Thanks all a right. lot. And now I'm naked. Okay. I feel oddly fine. Okay. You ready? Huh. So I feel awfully white right now. You're next to you. Yeah, you're super tan. Here we are riding in your golf cart and there's a nice breeze. And I'm feeling breezes in places that I had never felt breezes before. <laughs> it's really nice. It's different, right? It's different. I like it. I like it. Well, that's a good thing. I can see how you get used to this. I have to, I have to congratulate you on how easy it was for you to disrobe. I've never heard those words before in my life. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. It's been, what, five minutes? I feel great. It's like instantly awesome. And of course it would be different if I were at a grocery store in Manhattan. You know what I mean? But being here and knowing that, hey, we're all on the same level, that is really yeah. cool. And it, yeah. you feel it right away. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And that's the thing, there's no status here. Everybody's on the same playing field. We could, this guy could be picking up trash and this guy could be a doctor, we don't know. It's a people with awesome tattoos are pretty. <laughs> we do have, we have, we do have something there to offer. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of people here that's got some pretty nice tattoos. Uh, I, well, I'm sure I would see. Yeah. I told my mom about this and she, her pitch went up about three octaves, but she said, well, somebody from the station is going to go with you, right? And I'm like, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? No <laughs> yeah, right. one's coming from the radio station with me here. And that's the, that's, that's the stigma. Single women can't come here by themselves because it's not pro appropriate. And that's so far from the truth. That's true. If there's anywhere on the planet that I could take all my clothes off and not in my own home, that's safe. It would be here. Exactly. And I have to just make a comment right now. My upper body is in shadow. My butt is in the sun. Feels great. <laughs> it does. Feels like I've never had my butt in the sun. <laughs> this is the first time she's ever taken her clothes off. The only way to travel. Putting oh. <laughs> your butt in the sun or naked all together? Naked all together. <laughs> right now, having my butt in the sun is really ridiculously pleasing. It's really nice. Do I have to put my clothes back on? I have to put my, like I have to. Yeah, I have to. Well, you can drive home, you can drive home nude if you want. But officer, I, you know, I just came from Solaire. And what do I just... you think a cop's going to say if he stops a woman and she's driving there nude? He's just going to look at you and he's going to go, just go home. Go ahead, go. <laughs> and I could experience the breeze. <laughs> I'm going to think about that. You already experienced the breeze. Yeah. But it's funny, as I was putting my clothes back on, I was thinking, you know, in any other circumstance, I'd be afraid someone would walk in on me. Meh. I did the gentlemanly thing and stayed outside. Well, yeah. And now here I am standing on your front porch in my bra because... <laughs> It's hot. Because it's hot, and I didn't, I didn't have to put anything else on, because <laughs> I'm going to keep my shirt off. Screw that. I'm going to my car. I'm going to keep my bra on. People think it's a bathing suit top. There you go. They don't know the difference. There you go. Thanks again. All I can't right. thank you enough. I'll see you on Tuesday. Can't wait. All right. Take care. You too. I have a lot of absorbing to do. <laughs> it's kind of messing with my head a little bit, in a good way. I felt instantly leveled with everybody there. Paul at one point told me, 
you know, of all the people you talked to today, two of them are multimillionaires. But, you know, I didn't have time to notice their cufflinks or their designer tie so I could straighten up my posture. I can understand how you could be regularly around people completely naked and just see each other for who you are. In a way, you want to be like, no big deal. And in a way, it's a really big deal. I have a lot to think about. And I'm so driving home in my bra. All right, so and so it begins. So we begin uh, a conversation about uh, nudism or naturism. Uh, with us is Paul, the guy you heard in the uh, in the little audio postcard by Kion. She's here in studio with us, fully clothed. They're both fully clothed. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I guess, pleased to report. Uh, and uh, uh, Paul, I, I want to begin with you. And I guess uh, my first question to you is, what does it mean to be to you? What does it mean that you're a nudist? In other words, there's, there's a lot of ways that you could be a nudist. You could be a nudist activist that really you want to open up beaches for clothing free people or or you could just want to do this kind of on your own in a more or less private way. What is it that you want to do? What is it that you, what impulse or philosophy are you uh, indulging in? Well, it's it's a way of life. I mean, it's 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 a freedom that you can't feel until you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and once once it happened, once we decided to to make this choice, it was a choice that we you know we were very happy to make. And there was there it's and this is just the way that we choose to be. And on a given, say, weekend at Solaire Family Nudist Resort, uh, I mean, how many people are there? How many people are walking around? Well, we have uh, about 250 members, mm-hmm. and on a warm, sunny weekend, the place is packed. We mm-hmm. could have upwards of five, six, seven hundred people. So it's kind of important in some way to be congregating, too. It's not just a matter of you walking around with no clothes on, going for a long hike on the Appalachian Trail and hoping you don't run into anybody. It's really more you want to be in a group of people who are not wearing clothes. Oh, absolutely. It's a social, it's a social affair. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just like, um, oh, I don't know, people that go to a ball game. You mm-hmm. know, they all want to be there because, and they're around every, everybody. It's the same thing. I mean, we just we go there. We choose to be nude. That's our life. That's mm-hmm. the, you know, it's a way of life for us. And that's that's what we choose. It's a freedom that, like I said, it's a freedom that you would you can't experience in any other way. So just to uh, to try to like to fine tune that a little bit, is it just that you feel a lot freer not wearing clothes? Is there some other kind of hygiene benefit you want to get out of it? Is it the fact that when people aren't wearing clothes, other kinds of barriers come down and everybody's kind of on an equal footing? I mean, I, just in reading the background of, of naturism, I've sort of seen all of those arguments for it or reasons for doing it. Is it all of the above or just it, some of the above? It's all of the above, but I think more more so it's, um you have once you have no clothes on it's it definitely it definitely brings down a lot of curtains you know mm-hmm. there's there's no stigmas there's no um um there's no status there's you know we don't care we don't care what your lifestyle is outside of the campgrounds but w- once you're in the campground we're all on an even field mm-hmm uh, and wolfie i'm just sort of wondering uh, what 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 was different when you went there from what you were anticipating 
it was hard to imagine other than just the the basic visuals of a bunch of naked people. One mm-hmm. thing that I found myself thinking is, wow, there's so many different kinds of bodies. And I felt so stupid because that's what kindergartners say. Oh, everybody has different kinds of bodies. But I feel like if you are somebody with a magnificent body that you want to show off, then you show off. But people who aren't, you know, fit uh, are going to have clothes on and they're not going to show off as much. So here I am at this nudist resort and there's people who are fit. There are people who are not so fit. There's all sorts of kinds of bodies. And for some reason, it, it was only when I visited that it occurred to me, wow, there are seriously so many different kinds of bodies. I feel like an idiot for having compared myself to the so-called perfect body for so long. It's psychologically, it was very, very powerful. And I was surprised at that revelation, which seems so elementary. So, Paul, it sounds like what she's saying, and I just wanted to sort of see if that's kind of how you're feeling too, is that in some ways this makes individual body types less important as opposed to more important? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no judgment. There's no judgment. It doesn't, like she said, this doesn't make a difference if you're, you know, an Adonis or a goddess. That doesn't make a difference. It's, it's, uh, you can be 16 or you can be 70. It's, you know, it's, like I said, it's a way of life. Yeah, and, when, I, when I, sorry to interrupt, when I stepped out and, and was naked in front of you and, and everybody around, I found that it was mentally impossible to feel self-conscious because you're around people who are on the exact same plane as you. So for two hours in my life, I felt completely unselfconscious about my body. And everybody feels self-conscious, be it a little or a lot. But I found that after I left, I went to a party, and I felt more daring. I felt more confident. I felt more at ease with myself and my posture, everything. I just I just felt better overall. And I wonder, because at Solaire, I know there are generations of families that are, are exactly. raised there. I wonder what of all the self-consciousness to take away from someone's brain, if that's not a big part of someone's self-consciousness, how does that improve or how does that affect your personality? How does it affect your curiosity about the world? How does it affect your creativity? To lose that to the degree that, that I did for two hours in a whole lifetime is, is kind of mind-blowing to me. Well, you've probably lost it for good. <laughs> At least a little bit. Yeah, no, I am I still think, human. I think for good. You did You did quite well. Like I told you Thanks. that day, you did quite well. And I mean, I remember one of the comments you said, I walked out of it and the first thing I realized, I didn't feel like I had to hold anything in. I didn't have to suck in my gut. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, <laughs> totally uh, pointless and, to suck in my gut. <laughs> and that's the way, and that's, that's the way things are. I mean, we're just, we're just normal people. We come from all walks of life and we go there and that's our way of unwinding, our way of, of, expressing ourselves. And that does remind me there is a pool. And I, in my adult life, I, I don't I don't go swimming. There's no bathing suit on the planet I would feel comfortable in. So then it occurred to me, wow, I don't have to put on a bathing suit to go in this pool. And I thought it was also interesting because we had to, you said we had to rinse off in the showers before we go in, just if there's any grime or dirt on you. And then I realized, oh, there's, there's no men and women showers. So you and I took a, just a quick shower and jumped in. But uh, so I got to go skinny dipping uh, and in a pool for the first time in years and years and years. And I ended up talking to a bunch of people in the pool. And I knew that if I was at a different resort where people were wearing, you know, bikinis or bathing suits, I wouldn't be having these conversations. Nope. There were like 15 people in that pool that I was talking to. And I know those conversations wouldn't happen if it, if it were in a different kind of resort. And by the way, that night I went to a party. Ended up skinny dipping again. <laughs> oh, really? It was awesome. See, it is Couldn't a lifestyle for her. There you go. See, it didn't take her long to change. <laughs> so so are there other, you know, I, we heard the thing about sit on a towel. Uh, are there other rules, written or unwritten, about sort of how to behave around one another in a, a nudist environment? 
Well, yeah, well, the sitting on towels is a big thing. Um, you always you always want to take a quick shower before you go into the hot tub, go into mm-hmm. the pool, things like that. And um, How about just sort of how, I mean, I, I, you know, there was some joking about how she was looking in your eyes at the beginning. How about where your eyes go? And how about, are there any folkways or understandings about what's cool to do and what's sort of a, not a good way to behave? Well, let's put it this way. Where did your eyes go when you walked in here today and met me for the first time? I never look at anybody. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. actually true. All right. And, then, and there you go. And, here's, and that's the thing. That's the best way to put it is that I'm looking at Wolfie right now mm. just as a person. When mm. you, we have no clothes on, we look at each other just as people. We're mm. not there judging people, looking at people's bodies and, and rating people or anything mm. else like that. I mean, you see. Obviously, you see. Like you like you said to me, you're going to look. It's, we're all naked. What do you want right. to do? Yeah. But I'm not like aiming my head at your crotch and staring at what's what's between your legs but mm-hmm. it's part of the bigger picture but exactly. you know it's just there you eventually yeah meh. It, it, it eventually it's you don't even notice yeah it's true. you really don't i want to grab a call here we've got uh somebody an anonymous person i think calling from bethlehem hi hi person from bethlehem <laughs> hi how are you just fine um yeah i didn't want to say my name right. um i just you know, I go on sometimes on the internet in these nudist sites, and most of the people there are white. And I'm finding, talking to them, that, that when they go to the nudist resorts or some of these camps, that they don't see very many people of color. So I was wondering, even at Solar, is it the same um, situation that they don't have that many people of color who visit the, um, the site there? No, absolutely not. We have we have different races. Um, we have an we have an Indian family that's in there. We have several black families that come in, um, and there is. I mean, obviously, we don't we don't discriminate in any way, shape, or form, and we do get a lot of people of color uh, in uh, in you know in our camp. Let me just ask a couple of the obvious questions. Uh, one of them is, okay, I have this dermatologist who, if uh, he heard I was going to a nudist resort, would want me, like, hosed down with some kind of, you know, 64 SPF uh, uh, sunscreen. Is that, I mean, you know, there's parts of most people's bodies that aren't, aren't exposed to the sun on a regular basis, I would assume, would burn even more easily. So, I mean, is that just sort of exercise reasonable precaution? With- Absolutely. You know, you all depend. it all depends on, on what your skin type is. Yeah. You know, me, I, I'm of Italian descent, and mm. I just turn brown. It's right. like I have, have no issues at all. And, you know, my wife, she does. Yeah. Never gotten a bun burn? Never. <laughs> all right. And then I'll just ask the obvious one because I see it's there in the notes, too, and I wondered about it. I mean, I, 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 some people, I would imagine, do, do people ever get visibly aroused by other people? And, and if so, how is that dealt with? Uh, that's what the towel's for. Yeah, it's a towel. <laughs> <laughs> the towel. You know, I mean, I'm sure it Good happens. Good to have the towel nearby. Yeah. It, it, I, I'm sure it happens, but it's not. It's people. You know, people exercise caution. They they know. I mean, they. You, if it happens, you mm. just you cover up until it goes away. I mean, at some point, you, it becomes a natural way of life, and it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, what I what I hear again and again about naturism is it's essentially not really a sexual experience. We think of uh, of taking your clothes off as a precursor. If you're taking your clothes off in the presence of another person, to having sex, absolutely. Yeah, go I ahead. would imagine that it's it's no more sexual than any other human experience. And and it occurred to me when I was in the pool that if I met somebody at Solaire and I, and we were attracted to each other and we had a sexual relationship, it just occurred to me that wow, the first time we have sex, uh, I don't really have to worry about you know is my body acceptable because <laughs> <laughs> you know you know. And I wondered, you know, maybe that that makes things even better. 
Every time you begin one of these sentences, <laughs> I can picture Mr. Dankowski sitting somewhere <laughs> tensing up a little bit. Uh, uh, anyway, job. Paul from Solaire is with us the whole way. You're going to meet a historian of nudity and nakedness uh, in our next segment and also uh, one of the people who sort of involved at least somewhat in the whole area of kind of activism, opening up the world a little bit more to a clothes-free lifestyle. So stay tuned. Maybe a top cover your body so no one can see The way I was born and lives in me. The freedom of my body. The way Can I ask you a question? A question? A question? It's something I can't figure out. I hope you won't say no. It's all about my sister. My sister. My sister, she's joined a nudist colony, so what I want to know, what can you give a nudist for her birthday? What sort of birthday present can you buy? Tell me on the level, can I send her a mutt? It may be true they wear a smile, but that can't be enough. What can you give a nudist for a present? The things I used to buy her would be wrong. I'd send a check, but dash it, how can she go out to cash it? What can you give a nudist when her birthday comes along? Now, I know she's fond of reading, but if I get her some books, I don't know whether to send them with the covers on or the covers off. Now, it's a bit chilly, a hot water bottle might be useful. Anyhow, she could sit on it while she was doing her knitting, but perhaps she doesn't knit now, and there you are, if she's not a knitter. <laughs> what can you give a nudist for her birthday? What sort of birthday present can you buy? Now here's another riddle, but give it up. So how long have you been coming here? I've been here for 12 years. Six years now. Seven years. This is my third summer. I've been here for 12 years. 27 years. What first brought you here? My husband. Did he, he say, hey? We were going camping, and uh, I was totally surprised that we came to a nudist camp. Very pleasantly surprised. We were welcomed warmly, and um, we've been coming ever since. Um, I used to work, and one of my associates came in one time on a Monday just gleaming and uh, was so happy and delighted she couldn't, she couldn't help but tell me what she'd done, and she had come here, so I had to try it. What would you say to somebody that's like, I don't know if I want to do this? Oh, you mean the naked stuff? Come and try it. You don't have to. And if you don't like it, don't come back. <laughs> it's about being what you are, who you are, and being accepted for that. Everyone's the same, everyone respects each other, and um, it's the only way to enjoy going for a nice, cool swim without a suit on. Well, we're talking to uh, Paul, who's the president of Solaire Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock, where you heard Wolfie uh, talking to people. Uh, and, and you know, before we, we go over to uh, Philip Carr-Gom about this, you mentioned uh, in the previous segment, uh, I think you used the phrase, when we decided to choose this lifestyle. When you decided to choose this lifestyle, you were sort of aware of it somehow? I mean, aware of a tradition, of an idea, of a philosophy? Uh, I mean, I assume you just didn't wake up one morning and, and do this. So how did you even know that it was there to be chosen? Well, we started, you know, like everybody starts, you, you end up at a nude beach in, one, in some resort or someplace, and it starts there, and you realize that it's something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we started seeking out, you know, uh, other other resorts or uh, uh, nudist camps and things like that. We tried one or two, and then we, you know, we settled on Solaire, and we haven't turned back since. It's been nine years, so. 
Uh, let's uh, talk to uh, Philip Carr Gom. I, I hope I'm saying uh, your name correctly. Uh, author of A Brief History of Nakedness. First of all, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yeah. And second of all, in, in some ways we're sort of talking about two different things. We're talking about um, people who make an intentional choice to be nude and also people who make an intentional choice to cover up their uh, their, their nakedness. Has there always been some kind of vague proscription against nakedness all through uh, uh, the history of civilization, or, are there, or is that a relatively recent set of norms? Well, there's a, there's a very interesting way that you can look at it in terms of, you know, our, our culture, Western culture, which is built on these two pillars, which we call Judeo-Christian. And um, from out of the kind of uh, Christian culture, Judeo-Christian culture, you have uh, a fear of nakedness. It's associated with, with poverty. Poor people were naked, slaves were naked, prostitutes were naked, and so on. But we also, our civilization is also built on the Greek culture, you know, great admiration for classical culture, where people felt nakedness was a sign of nobility. You know, the first Olympic Games were undertaken naked. So that helps to explain why we've got these ambivalent attitudes. You know, on the one hand, uh, we're attracted to it, and on the other hand, we're kind of uh, uh, disturbed by it. I feel as though nudism or naturism as a lifestyle, it, it kind of has that ring of kind of an early 20th century health and hygiene kind of movement. Um, is that the case? Was there some kind of stirring of that around that time in history? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It came about through attempts to actually heal people of um, uh, tuberculosis, you know. So there were these clinics, and there was a guy called Dr. Rollier in the 19th century who found that rather than shutting people up in hospitals, keeping them uh, covered up, he found that if they exposed them to sunlight and fresh air, they tended to get better. So... Uh, through into the 1920s, there were hundreds of clinics in Europe treating people by getting them to take their clothes off and expose themselves to the sun and the air. I assume there was also some kind of counter-movement to all that, too. I mean, I, I, obviously there are parts of the world where I would imagine it would be incredibly dangerous to, to be nude. But even in the West, I, I would assume there are people who, who object to nudity and nakedness and, and cover up. I think here in America we had a, uh, an attorney general who covered up a, a naked statue of justice or something. That, that's, in the, that's right. To the, to the taxpayer, thousands of dollars, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, no, I think there's always been these two, these two attitudes to it, and, and, and you know, people who discover that it's liberating and, and feels great, and, and, and people who are somehow disturbed by it. And it's not, you know, you talked about the, uh, the association with poverty, but there's yeah. also, there's, a, there's some kind of moral or religious association, too. There's, there's some sense that, that pervades the, the history of Western civilization that, that nudity is somehow or other linked to sin. Bible story is, 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 is most often interpreted as, as one which uh, thinks that nudity isn't a good idea. But if you talk to a Christian naturist, and there are plenty of them, and they have uh, you know, congresses and so on, uh, they will say that quite the reverse is the case, and that actually when you, and this is certainly my experience of being in a naturist resort, is there's a kind of, it's like being in paradise. There's a kind of innocence there uh, where you return to what's called in, in religious terminology a prelapsarian state. A prelapsarian state means before the fall. How would we say that nudism or naturism or even nakedness is doing these days? In other words, given an arc that maybe starts in, in 1900 and, and moves forward. Uh, sure. Well, what, what happened is... Uh, 
it became quite popular. As you were quite right, it got tied in with the whole ideas of, of healthiness. Uh, you know, there were even schools. I don't know if they were in the States, probably not, but certainly in Britain they had schools where the kids had sessions having their lessons outdoors naked so that they got fresh air and sunshine on their bodies, something that would be unthinkable nowadays. Um, and, and that gradually, it gradually became quite popular through until the 1950s. And then when... Uh, uh, people started to take holidays abroad into the 60s, really, where air travel began, and people started to go abroad, and certainly with Britain, with a climate where it wasn't so reliable. Uh, the, the, the nudism started to decline as a kind of a recreational pastime amongst people. And now you have, you have a funny kind of situation. I mean, certainly in the States, for instance, if you look at streaking, which in the 19 80s, mm -hmm. in the 70s and 80s, was starting in the late 60s, was getting quite popular. And in the 70s in the States, you had mass streaks at universities of, you know, 1,500 uh, students running through a campus naked. Uh, gradually, that started to diminish. And um, so I think you had a situation of some gains and some losses, really. And it, it did seem as though, here in America anyway, the first decade of this century was a time of, of, of loss, at least in the sense, I mean, we, we, that was the time, of course, the covering of the, the Statue of Justice, but also the time in which, you know, there was the uh, accidental exposure of Janet Jackson's nipple on television. It, I was watching that particular uh, halftime show, and I can tell you it's, it's like the Higgs boson. I mean, you'd have to be told it was there to know it was there. It happened so fast, and it wasn't, it wasn't as though it filled the screen or anything like that. But the fact that it happened was regarded as some kind of gross violation of human sensibility. That was an extraordinary event. And, and when you say accidental, I'm not sure it was. Well. The, the lyrics of the song, do you remember <laughs> Justin Timberlake was singing something like, I'd love to see you naked? Right. And, and I think she must have had some Velcro... Uh, stuff on to be able to get it off so easily. But they got fined. Didn't, didn't CBS or Fox or whoever it was? There were massive fines and this enormous crackdown, and there was really this sense that something really horrible had happened, which yes. in the context of what we're talking about seems a little odd. Yes, it was very strange, wasn't it? So, so I think there's been a kind of polarization uh, as well, perhaps. Um, well, yeah, we're, uh, apparently it's it's divided us rather than uniting us. Uh, yeah. All right. Philip Carr-Gum, thank you so much for talking to us. He's the author of A Brief History of Nakedness. We also want to weave into the conversation. I'm just also, before I go to Mark's story, uh, Paul, you're sitting here listening to that whole conversation. I don't know. Are you having any reactions to what he was talking about? No, I agree. I agree with most of what he has said. And, in fact, the... the um the 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 party uh, he said about the Christian part uh, of it uh, about a Christian nudist. I mean, there's actually a camp in New Hampshire that is Christian. They have a full chapel on property. I mean, they've been featured on the on uh, a weekend news program and that. And uh, so it, it it definitely crosses all spectrums of religion, of race, of 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 sexuality, of everything. On the other hand, I think there are other there are places in the country where um, even the desire of a group of people to kind of go off behind a fence or something like that uh, and do this kind of thing might raise eyebrows, might even incur the wrath of somebody. We want to talk to uh, Mark Story, uh, Nude and Natural Magazine consulting editor, a member of the Naturist uh, Action Committee board. Uh, he has various other credentials as well that we could cite. But first of all, welcome to the show. And second of all, is it as nice and relaxed as, as Paul is making it seem everywhere in America. If I want to be a nudist in Kansas, am I incurring a different kind of wrath than I would in, in say, Connecticut? Absolutely. 
glad to be here. Uh, Kansas might be a little bit tougher, although it's a bit more of a challenge. Uh, the, um, New England actually is one of the more saner regions in the United States uh, regarding regarding naturism, nudism, public nudity. I live in Seattle, Washington. We're probably even more sane. We've got a number of naked bike rides in town. The police give us escorts. We can actually rent city pools uh, for nude use. No problem there. We've even had uh, little barbecues at uh, city parks along uh, the lakefront, and they, sometimes they just have them put up signs, say, for the next two hours there's going to be a nude group here. doesn't seem to have a whole lot of problems there. But there are places in this country where it would be a lot tougher, absolutely. Um, different states have different personalities. Uh, it's a pol- different political, social climate, and uh, naturists just need to uh, approach things differently where they live. Mark Story, I know you have a background in philosophy, and philosophically, I mean, we could sort of talk I, I guess maybe about at least two kinds of naturism, passive naturism and active naturism. I mean, uh, on the one hand, I might want to uh, go off to the Solaire Resort and be with some other uh, naturist and, and not have my clothes on, and, and that would be my business. On the other hand, I might feel as though there's some good to be achieved in a, in a wider destigmatization of, of human genitalia. I might think that there would be some good achieved by the opening up of more public spaces to people doing this. So I'd be a little bit more of an activist. Can you can you, can you help me sort of shape up the differences between those two uh, attitudes? Well, you're certainly going to see that in almost any kind of uh, recreation or, or lifestyle. It could be a crew. I, I like rowing. There are people who just want to row for exercise, and they don't think about it, any, anything else than that. But other people really want to just spread the joys of rowing to young people, to older people, and fill the lakes with lots of uh, single quad and eight-person shells. Uh, so you can find that kind of thing anywhere. Certainly it is with naturism. I would say most of the people, the vast majority of people on the nude beaches, they don't even know there's national organizations around promoting what they're up to. They don't even know there's a nudist club or another uh, clothing optional hot spring nearby. They just show up, just want to enjoy themselves, and that's fine. And it's the same thing with uh, many of the nudist clubs. Many of the folks at the nudist clubs don't even know of the nude beaches nearby or the other kind of opportunities, and that's fine. And they aren't wanting to let people know who they are. They just want to enjoy themselves. Um, some of us um, just kind of committed to taking an extra step and say, hey, uh, it's been good for me. I, I think it can be good for other people. Uh, some would like to see you know, everybody be naturist. I, I think most of the naturist activists are more looking for some tolerations, some thoughtful toleration, uh, maybe have public land sites, some public land sites, usually secluded ones set aside uh, for clothing optional use, where people don't need to be offended if, uh, if they're inclined that direction. Um, and that, that's kind of the direction I'm at. I would like to see more uh, comfort with the human body, because that's who we are. Uh, Keon's experience at Solar just sounds like it's absolutely ideal, and it seems to be with the vast majority of men and women I've talked to has had a similar kind of response. They found out they found a nice, comfortable, safe environment, whether it was in public or a private place like Solar, and walked away thinking, hey, there's maybe something to this. You know, uh, there do seem to be areas where these two, where where an activism or even a, a desire to have access to more space a, as a nude person would collide with the sensibilities of others. I mean, I was reading, you know, I, I was reading about nude hiking, for example, right. and I, there's only so much sort of you know, designated closed-off land that you could possibly set aside for nude people only. If you want to go for a hike and it's of any duration, and I did read about this uh, man who's hiked from one end of England to the other uh, in no clothes, but you're gonna, if I go out on the Appalachian Trail with no clothes on, I'm going to start running into people pretty quickly who are out there with their kids or whatever, and they've got some kind of an issue with that. So where does my right to be nude on the Appalachian Trail end and somebody else's right to, uh, to not see me that way begin? 
Well, we live in a pluralistic society, definitely. We've got a wide range of people, uh, not just in terms of ethnicity or age or abilities, uh, but in sensibilities and just what they want and what they don't want to see. Uh, so we've got to adopt some kind of uh, political or social framework that allows that pluralism, which is an incredibly healthy and a thing and a, a, a bulwark of strength for our country. We've got to allow that to somehow play itself out. So we can't have everybody saying, nobody gets to do anything that bothers me. I can't do that. You can't do that. The people on the Appalachian Trail can't do that. So I can understand. If there's, a, if there's an area that is particularly averse to nudity, um, I'm not going to be nude there. Um, but I, I do a lot of mountain biking, kayaking, hiking nude. And I'm in the Seattle, so we've got tons of mountains around here, lots of logging roads. I have a really, very easy time of it. I can go mountain biking for, for hours and not run across anybody. But I know where to go. So what I would suggest to nature is who want to get out on public land is get to know your public land area, find the areas where you're not going to run across people, and, and do it in a, a smart, thoughtful way. Um, it seems to me nude kayaking is almost a non-issue. You know, it I really mean, is. I can be within 10 feet of people. Nobody even knows it. Yeah. So uh, that's the greatest thing. I pop my kayak in. I can pop in Portland, Oregon, the Seattle waters, and in half an hour I can find a beach where there's nobody nearby, and I and my friends, my wife, I can enjoy an afternoon you know, sitting swimming, no problem. Um, the hiking, yeah, I've been doing it for 20 years, and I maybe two times I've run across somebody who did something other than smile and clap and say, hey, boy, it's hot weather. I wish I could be doing that. But I avoid busy trailheads, and I avoid trails that I know a lot of uh, you know, kids and dogs and mothers and families are going to be on. Uh, I just go find some other places. Now, as an activist, I'm going to try to um, come work with parks departments, whether it's national parks, state or county and city parks, to try to uh, find opportunities for places. Um, if, if we have 1,000 miles of coastland, I bet 200 yards of that can be used clothing optional. I'm going to try to work with them to convince them to put up a sign saying, beyond this point, you may encounter nude sunbathers, so no one needs to be uh, bothered if they don't want to see that kind of thing. And that can resolve a lot of problems. The same kind of issue between, say, cross-country skiers and snowmobilers. They both want access to the same public lands. They don't work real well together. So there are ways to get cross-country skiers happy and snowmobilers happy. But not nude cross-country skiers. Although I guess there are. There oh, is, yeah, I saw absolutely. I read about nude, nude snowmobiling <laughs> anyway. I just... Nude cross-country skiing will, will teach you not to fall faster than anything. I yes. heard, I, that's the best way to learn not to fall and just to stay on your feet. It would be the ultimate planting anyway. You know, I'm just going to turn to you, Paul, uh, for a second. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Mark and Mark's attitudes. Um, and as you're listening, where are you on that? Are you happy with the way things are? Do you wish more people would be nudist or do you not care what other people do? I'm happy with the way things are, but uh, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I really appreciate what Mark is doing. Because he's actually taking, you know, taking the steps to try and expand the idea of nudists and nudism to more of the general population. And, I mean, and again, there is miles and miles of coast. There's miles and miles of woods. It, it can be shared by everybody. I, we have, just for instance, we have 450 acres with miles and miles of trails. So we have hikers that just don't have to go anywhere. But there are people that don't have access to that and would like to be doing the nude walking and the nude uh, riding of uh, mountain biking and things like that. And Mark is really taking the bull by the horns and making every effort he can to, to, to do this. 
I, d- I would like to point <coughs> out, uh, I, I just I didn't even make this connection until this very moment while we were playing in the show. I didn't think about this. I, I can guarantee you, well, I, could, I don't know about Mark, but I, I almost guarantee you I'm the only person connected with this show who's ever been Mirandized nude. And I was actually Mirandized nude. <laughs> uh, it's a long story. But uh, all right. So uh, we're just going <coughs> to grab a call or two here and let you think about that also as well. Uh, here's uh, Alicia in uh, Tallinn. Hi, Alicia. Hey, Colin. I hate to put a damper on this whole nice little nudist resort thing, but um, our society, the way it is now, I mean, there are rapists. What if a rapist came to a nudist colony or... I, I, it's a, a great. It's actually a, it's a really good question, and I, I'm, I'm I'm guessing that it's something that they've thought about. I'll start with you, Paul. What about the whole question about background checks and stuff like that? We do a complete background check, and we have a system. Uh, right now, we do a quarry and a sorry check the minute you walk through the gate. <laughs> then we have you have to come for four visits. You meet with four different people of membership, and they and there's a series of questions that you talk about. In it's a general conversation before you're even allowed to come in as a regular member or a regular associate. You know, we we uh, we have a pretty good vetting process. When we also have, I mean, we we have a, a large membership committee that keeps an eye on things like this, and and it's very easy to contact the office. Very easy to contact myself or members of. We have a, a small security, well, security team we call them, that basically just tries to keep things. Peace. Yeah. You know, Mark's story, I, would, I was wondering about kind of the flip side of that question, which is that in the kind of climate that we're in these days, I would be worried if I were a naturist and I did decide to do some nude hiking on the Appalachian Trail or elsewhere or go canoeing uh, around the San Juan Islands, um, that, that, that I could wind up via Megan's Law or some comparable thing on, on a list. Uh, on a, I mean, people who are naked in places they're not supposed to be naked, some of them wind up, I would assume, on, on sort of sex offender lists. There is a trend uh, within state legislatures these days to ramp up um, sex crimes. Now, I, I do not take mere nudity in public to be a, be a sexual act, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of money, a lot of tax money that is somehow being pulled in by states if they are willing to ramp up certain kind of um, sexual crimes, particularly pertaining to children. So what you'll find is, is there, these legislators are looking around for some way to get this money, and they say, well, let's take this, the uh, anti-nudity law, which has nothing to do with the kids or whatnot, and make that a sex offender. So, yeah, in the last 10, 10 15 years, uh, there's been a greater chance of getting yourself on a sex offender list for just simply uh, riding a kayak out in the middle of nowhere. state of Montana, for instance, if you're caught a third time skinny dipping, and I'm talking out in the backwoods, fishing, it's a hot day, there's not a house within 10 miles, you're out there in the middle of no- nothing, somebody walks by and sees you quietly taking a skinny dip, and you say you get caught the third time, you can get fined up to $10,000 in life imprisonment for skinny dipping out in the boondocks. That's how I got Mirandized it's, nude, it's, actually. It's insane. <laughs> it was in uh, so this is one of the things that's motivating me to try to be thoughtfully activist is to say, wait a second, there's a huge difference between harming people and just going out and having a very pleasant swim out in the mountain lake. All right. Uh, we're going to take a little break right now. Uh, thanks again to Mark Story, a great guest, a lot of information. Uh, he's involved with the Naturist Action Committee, among other organizations. We'll be back after this. Was there anybody out there?
I'm spending the rest of my day doing a little nude hang gliding. Hey, I can see my parents' house from here. And there's my mom working in her garden. Hi, mom. Oh, my God, I got to glide faster. Today's show was produced by me, Kyone Wolf, with help from Patrick Scahill and Betsy Kaplan. Our intern is John Galliani. The part of Bill Curry was played by Nude Bill Curry. For show pages, audio, and photos of the Faith Middleton Show staff's nude schmooze, visit our website, wnpr.org slash Colin. And now, back to Colin. Paul's still here from Solaire. We'll uh, try to get to him and some of your calls uh, after this, but we also... uh, are excited to have with us Erica Simone. She's a photographer and an artistic photographer who, as a as a an act of art, uh, photographed herself nude in various locations around New York City. Uh, she joins us now. Welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Well, just fine. Uh, now I've seen uh, some of these photographs, and uh, explain why this was important to do. I, I don't know whether art can be boiled down to making a point, but but if it can be, what were you trying to do or say? Well, let's see. Um, the idea sort of came to me a few years ago when I was shooting Fashion Week um, at Bryant Park. And I was sort of, you know, immersed in this whole world where fashion, you know, is so important and so, you know, brands and all this stuff. And I guess it just sort of sort of got me started thinking about, you know, the importance of fashion, the importance of clothing in society in, in terms of expressing ourselves and judging others and interpreting others. And, I, you know, just sitting around thinking about that, I just started thinking about, hey, you know, what would life be like without clothing? You know, what if we didn't have fashion to show people who we were, how much money we made, or how cool we were, how uncool we were, you know? Yeah, no, just thinking about that, um, you know, I wanted to put it into some sort of artistic interpretation, and so I, you know, thought, hey, it'd be cool to to shoot someone or or myself or whoever naked, just doing, you know, mundane things, just doing day-to-day you know, life, but in the news. Uh, so so th- thus came uh, New York, uh, self-portraits of a bare urban citizen, uh, as the project was called. And Erica Simone, I mean, among these portraits are you on a New York subway, um, which is an everyday thing. On the other hand, it's not an everyday thing to have anybody uh, naked there, or at least not every day. Uh, exactly. I would imagine there were risks of all kinds to doing something like that. Yeah. It was weird on the subway, actually. I really didn't get that much reaction from people. (laughs) People don't even look up from their post. I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, I had been riding the subway literally, you know, (laughs) to 200, you know, 202nd Street or whatever. So I had already had my camera set up and people, you know, got a sense that I was up to something. Um, And, you know, I was clothed the whole time. Like, I'm only naked for a few seconds. You know, I'm not really, it's not like I ride the subway the whole way naked. So... You know, people knew that I was doing something, and then I, I sat down, and, and I, I did mention to the woman across from me, like, because she had a small child, and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm about to get naked for a few seconds. You might want to cover your kid's eyes. And she was like, no, it's okay, all good. She didn't care. <laughs> so, you know, people weren't as soft as you'd think. As long as you're not busking, I think they're happy, as long as you're not actually going to ask them for money afterwards. Yeah. Um, Exactly right. Did, were there any times where you were at risk of arrest, or you felt as though that you might be at risk of arrest for what you were doing? Um, you know, I'm. I mean, I'm always at risk. You know, but I make sure to take my time and make sure there's no cops around. I'm very cautious, and you know, once again, I'm only naked for like I'd say 30 seconds to a minute. Sometimes I have to redo it a couple of times, but it's really not that long. So. It's, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of thing. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure there's another phrase that you could use that would be better. But um, <laughs> the um, uh, you're speaking in the present tense, so this is an ongoing uh, project it for you. It is an ongoing project. I'm still shooting. I'm planning on, you know, publishing a book somewhat soon. 
Uh, as of right now, I have approximately 45 images, hoping to get about 50 to make my book. Well, you know, just to go back to the notion of fashion and fashion photography, and I'm thinking of those old back glamour uh, fur ads and stuff like that. Uh, a lot is done in fashion photography with suggestion and, and with the, the, the implication that maybe behind that fur coat somebody's nude or something. And, uh, you know, Paul earlier on was sort of talking about how in a nudist environment, uh, a naturist environment, nudity and the body become less important rather than more important. Was that is that the sense too of you and your art? Is that in some ways the more you do it, the more you're photographed that way, the less important your nakedness is? I don't know. For me, it's like I mean, I'm not a nudist or an exhibitionist to begin with, so it's not like I was immediately comfortable being naked in the street, you know, in public. Hmm. But I would say that. Um, I mean, after doing it 50 times, yeah, I definitely am a lot more comfortable now, and I have a much, you know, better, uh, I guess, a more confident sense of being naked myself in public. So I guess that would mean that, yes, it's le- less important. I don't know. It's hard to – that's a tough question. All right. Because, you know, there's – we may have There's to. Yes and no's in there all over the place. Yeah, all right. Uh, that's a okay. ambiguity. Is as good a place to end as any. Yeah, I'm yeah. so. I am so sorry that there's more. Not more time to talk to Erica Simone, and I'm really sorry that Michelle from Torrington and Rana, who goes to Solaire, and Johnny, who goes to Solaire, and Brian, who goes to Solaire. You got a lot of Solaire <laughs> support people who got your uh, naked back there, Paul. Uh, so, but we want to thank everybody who did call in, and if you've got a point that you need to make, please do email me at Colin C O L I N at WNPR dot org if you need your identity concealed i can do that but we can certainly put things up on the website or use it later we have a show at the end of the month where we talk about issues that we didn't cover when we covered an issue so please uh, do uh, don't hesitate to call uh, or to write me at c-o-l-i-n at wnpr.org thank you so much paul for being here and thank you uh, thanks to wolfie for having the courage to go out there and uh, disrobe and then for not doing that afterwards here around the office I'm Kyone Wolf, and I don't really understand what the big problem is with being nude. I mean, I'm naked all the time under my clothes.